Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast, episode 75 at com. We are still in Perth, Australia, and you can expect us to be here pretty much until Christmas. Yeah, we'll try to come up with some news, but it won't be a new city. It won't be a new country. It will just be news. Well, if we get time off work, I've signed a contract for the longest time in about three years, so it's... uh, yeah, it's pretty scary. And I've got three weeks. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited about mine, actually. I'm doing an LT, which is a language travel course, which means that a group of students come over from some random country, in this case Thailand, and I get to teach them in the morning and take them all around Perth in the afternoon because, you know, I'm such an expert on Perth, being having been here for, what, two weeks now? <laughs> yeah. I think it's 15 really. days. So Linda gets <laughs> to go and do all of the touristy stuff, and I don't. I get to go to the zoo, to the aquarium, to Rockneyst Island, to Fremantle. Thanks. But it's taken, you know, all of this time, two weeks, just to get simple things like a new bank card organized. It's crazy. And just to have managed to apply for some of the documents and numbers and things that we need to actually have to live here. Yeah. We finally managed to get the last piece in place yesterday, but uh, that's getting the tax file number, which you actually need to be able to work in Australia, but it won't arrive for up to 28 days. Yeah, brilliant. So we figured today we may as well speak about bureaucracy. Oh, how we love bureaucracy. (laughs) And because there's nothing you can do about bureaucracy to make it practical, uh, document security as well. Yep. So this week we're talking about bureaucracy and document security. Fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Our affiliate of the week is Lonely Planet. Um, You can pick up their guidebooks through our site, They are often really good. We've used them quite a lot. And, um, yeah, you can pick those up through our site. They'll mail them out to you at no delivery cost if you're spending more than about 40 US dollars, I think. And uh, we get a small commission, so that helps us out. Yeah. Talking about books, Craig's still working on the Travelling Europe book from IndieTravelGuides.com. Yeah, it's exciting. New website. Yeah, onto the second draft and almost onto the final draft. It's very exciting. Yeah, we got a new website. A new website, yes, <laughs> indietravelguides.com, as you might have guessed. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah. So anyway, it's been so much fun putting that together today. Yep. Fun, fun, and fun, I made fun, Expeditic. Fun. <laughs> that was brilliant. Okay, let's get on to it. So, bureaucracy. Well, you don't normally think of it. I mean, maybe you do, but I don't. And as a long-term traveler, it comes up all the time. You know, I'm constantly kind of shocked and surprised by how many pieces of useless paper I need to get bank accounts, tax numbers, to get phones connected, sometimes even to get a mobile SIM card, to get accommodation, medical stuff, work permits. There's so much useless paper that only generates more useless useless paper. paper. Ah! We spend a lot of time bitching about bureaucracy. We find that bitching helps. (laughs) But uh, there are things that you can do apart from just screaming and yelling and frustration. Really? Yeah, yeah. I haven't found them. Well, one of them is just take a deep breath. (laughs) But there are some things that might help you. Like the other day I went into the tax file office and I didn't have the passports that I needed to have with me to fill in the forms. (laughs) Whose passports did you have? (laughs) <laughs> I didn't have any. I'd been carried, carrying them around for almost two weeks, and I finally thought, no, I'd better put those away for security purposes. And then, of course, that was when I needed them. So we've put together a few tips about how to deal with bureaucracy. The first one is to realize that there are different systems around the world. Now, 
this might seem self-explanatory, but it isn't necessarily because once you're used to your system, your country's system, you just expect, I think, things to work that way, especially since the way in New Zealand seems to be a lot easier. Yeah, well... Or maybe it's just the the way you know is the easiest way, I don't know. I was working for a company in New Zealand and part of my job was to organise tax numbers, IRD numbers, for students that were coming to us with a work and travel visa. So they had kind of a holiday working visa, but, you know, as part of their setup that we were helping them with, it was my job to get them a tax number. I sat them down sometime in the first week of their course, got them to fill out a simple one-page form you downloaded off the internet, sign it, faxed it, and within 10 days, we always had a tax number for them. Amazing. I've spent the last two weeks trying to get a tax number here in Australia. I finally had to sick Linda on them. But even this is infinitely easier than the bureaucracy that you deal with in Britain on anything, anything, any single thing. Oh, don't get me started. Yeah, we had to make an appointment to go and have an interview in order to get a tax number in Britain. It's mad. It's like, excuse me, government, I'd like to give you my money. In fact, no, I don't, but you're forcing me to. Can you you make it easier for me? And the funniest thing was, we didn't even have to pay tax because (laughs) your first so many thousand pounds are tax-free and we were earning well under that threshold oh my goodness oh man anyway we'll try not to get too bitter and twisted my suggestion is to do whatever you can online whilst also thinking about your data security so avoiding internet cafes um, open wireless networks if you can use a password protected wpa network when you're doing things online If you can't do that, fall back into WEP, which is crackable, but it's still more secure than a completely open network. Um, Use HTTPS, colon, slash, slash, instead of HTTP, colon, slash, slash, and some sites will allow you to do that, sending and receiving over a secure, that's S for secure, format. But, yeah, do what you can do online so you don't need to go and stand in line, make appointments and all of that crazy human stuff that you might have to do. Another thing to do, even before you get to the going online stage, is to be prepared. Before you even get to a country, check what you need to be able to live in that country or to be able to stay there for a while and work out the estimated time frame. That's something we didn't do when we were coming to Australia. I mean, we had a basic idea that we needed a tax number Mm. and, you know, that there was something called Medicare and, you know, a few things. But we probably could have started the process and applied for our TFN online if Craig's system hadn't been so broken. But um, we could have started it and we could have got an idea of how long it was going to take. One other time when it would have been useful to know time frames is when we went to Malta and we had to apply for a work permit. Mm. Ah, Maltese bureaucracy... It's almost as good as the British time. <laughs> almost. But, okay, so we, we applied for a work permit. And we started working because we couldn't afford to not work. And everyone was doing that anyway. So we applied for the work permit. It came through after three months. Now, you couldn't apply for it before you got to the country. And you weren't supposed to work without it. So I'm not sure. Oh, and you couldn't ever get in touch with them. You could no, never, they, ever get in touch with them. Their office they, hours were only at full moon, I think. Yeah, well, I tried to call them just because I didn't want to start working without a permit, but I could never get in touch with them. Not to mention the fact that I filled in all the forms, gave them to my boss, and he never posted them. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's not go there. But Craig got one. It was very good. (laughs) If you are going into a tax office, have all of your documents with you. And if you are phoning, have all of your documents at hand. Um, It's really important that when you finally do get through that you're able to actually achieve whatever you want to do. So they're useless, but do what you can on your side by having all of the documents you need to hand. Yes, it's more useless pieces of paper. But you need to have them with you. One thing I've found is that some places won't accept things like PDFs and scanned documents, which I think is ludicrous. Uh, But it happens. So as bad and terrible and unsecure as it is, it seems that you're expected to carry all of your vital statistics around with you. Yep, it does. Unless you don't have to carry them on a shield. Sounds like fun. Asterix reference, don't worry. Anyway, so when you're taking all your documents with you, make sure you have them secure. Um, What we tend to do is we have a money belt. And actually, we'll talk about that a bit more later. Yeah, sure. Um, Another thing to do is if you're filling in a form, double check all of them to avoid errors. Now, the other day, I tried to apply for my tax file number online, and it didn't go through. And Craig had already tried three or four times, and it hadn't, been, it hadn't worked either. So the next day, I thought, oh, I'll give it one more go before I go into the office and go crazy at the people in the office. So I quickly just entered it all in, press enter, and it was processed. And I was like, oh, <laughs> because <laughs> I, I hadn't really triple-checked. I'm usually very careful about that, but I thought there was mm. no chance that it would actually work, but it did. You did it so quickly, the bureaucratic system was surprised. I think that's it. I think it was just like, do <laughs> that. But anyway, um, I, I wasn't very happy about that. But I'm pretty sure I entered all my details correctly, but I'd usually check a bit more carefully. Yeah, another time to double-check things is when you're doing bank transfers oh, on online yes, banking. yes, There's a big case in the news here in Australia at the moment with a woman who lost $15,000. I think it was 1500 Oh, was that it? Much. Sorry, I thought it was 15000 No, there was one 15... that was 6000 and one that was 1500 oh, okay. And with one keystroke <laughs> yeah. error, she managed to send it to a different bank account that she hadn't intended to yeah and someone else has got that money and it was quite funny because i just made a transfer from one of my accounts to another one a different bank in in new zealand and um i was just hoping i'd entered all the right details but i triple checked it so if something goes wrong chase 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 um call after a week if you haven't heard anything to check progress get onto them as much as you can and if nothing else works out they'll get so fed up they might actually fast track your application yeah definitely. or they might get so fed up they file it carefully in the rubbish bin but, it's possible it's know. usually good to speak to a real person because you know as much as internet and various other ways of checking up on things can be great the real person at the end of the phone usually has the information you need Mm, So thinking about document security, I mean, I mentioned a few things for online security before, but what about these physical pieces of paper that you're carrying around? Well, you definitely need documents. Of course, if you're traveling, you need a passport. That's vital. But I mean, we need our marriage certificate and having your birth certificate on you can also be useful. We needed our marriage certificate in order to get double hotel rooms in some of the countries we've been in. In Italy. In Italy and Turkey. Turkey, yeah. <laughs> they, they almost wouldn't give us a double room, but we're like, we're married, honest. Yeah. Marido, marido, see. <laughs> so you have to have them with you. Um, so what do you do? Do you leave them in a hostel? Do you carry them around with you everywhere? It's a bit maddening, really. Do you trust the 
hotel or hostel safe? Well, what we usually do is we have a money belt and we have a document wallet. If we're somewhere where we feel a bit unsure, we put all of our secure documents into the money belt and just keep them on us. Once we are settled down for a bit, like in Perth, they tend to go into the document wallet and get buried into a locked bag. Um, If we're staying in a hostel just for a little while, then they might go in the hostel safe. I wouldn't tend to leave them lying around in unlocked hostel room, though. Mm. In a locker would be fine. But generally, if you're somewhere, you're a bit unsure, keep your passports and all your travel documents in your money belt. Yeah. One thing that I've found is having a photocopy of each item stored separately in your bag can be a good thing. I mean, you know, if someone nicks the originals, at least you've got some form of identification. Yeah, you've still got all the numbers you need that can be really helpful. Yeah, and if you go and see a justice of the peace or a notary before you go, you can get them certified. They'll chuck a stamp and a signature on it, which shows that someone at least has verified that these are copies of a real original. Yeah, that's true. It might also be useful to keep another copy at home with a friend or a family member, and then if necessary, they can just post it off to you. Yeah, one thing that I do instead of that is I've scanned all of our documents, including the photo page of our passports, and um, I keep a copy of that on the laptop in a kind of secure location on the laptop, Um, I chuck a copy onto an SD card, and I'm thinking about uploading it into the magical, mystical cloud of the internet to an FTP location. Not too sure about, you know, the open security of that, so haven't done that yet. Yeah, there are some places you can store them kind of privately, but it's definitely not worth making them public. (laughs) Yeah. Hello, my name is Linda, and here's my birth certificate, and my (laughs) passport, and my bank details. (laughs) I mean, we use uh, Flickr.com, which is a photo-sharing website, and if we've just bought something new and expensive, we take a photograph of it along with the receipt, and we store it in the private settings of Flickr. Um, But I wouldn't feel comfortable about, you know, scanning my passport and putting that on Flickr. However, it's a good way to kind of document semi-important things having a copy that isn't going to disappear in a fire or get stolen, and uh, it's still not visible to the public. Another thing to think about document security is, I read recently that you're not allowed to leave a passport in your checked baggage if, when you're travelling by air. This might just be one airline's policy, but I didn't know. And we're, Craig has two passports, and we quite mm. often leave his passport in the, doc, in the document wallet, which is often our checked baggage. But really, I'd recommend, if you've got a document wallet, Keep it in your carry-on luggage because that just means it's a little bit more secure because it's with you. Yeah, I don't trust baggage handlers farther than I can throw them. And, oh, my you know, goodness. Um, I've baggage handlers. <laughs> too many stories of stuff getting taken out of bags. They do have the power to unlock them. There have been gang infiltrations of um, the secure side of the airport. For people, you know, gangs stealing laptops and jewellery and other valuables out of people's check bags. I don't trust it at all. Have to use it, but I don't trust it. Yep. So things like that are just a no-go for me. Yeah, for sure. Another thing to do, of course, is to lock your bag. If you've got your documents in your bag, lock your bag. Or put your bag in a locker and lock the locker. Mm. And password protect your laptop so that any data you've got stored on there in terms of your passport details is secure. Yeah, another thing you might consider is creating an encrypted folder. 
Um, on Mac OS X, this is really easy if you've got an Apple using the disk utility. You can create a folder that's password protected and when you want it you can mount it as a volume on your desktop and open it up. In that way you don't have to encrypt the whole computer. I mean, you know, you still put a password on login, but the data itself isn't encrypted, you know. So if you create an encrypted folder, that scrambles all of the information that's inside it, and that's a much more secure way of going about it. Okay. I don't know how to do it in Windows XP or Vista, but it's pretty easy on a Mac. You should get a Mac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Linda the Mac evangelist. <laughs> Well, I think that's pretty much all we have to say about bureaucracy and document security. Before we go, one horror story that I want to recount, and this is one of our virtual friends, Gary Arndt, who blogs at everything-everywhere.com. And he was traveling around the South Pacific where Americans need a multitude of visas. And he had one particular visa for a country I shall not name. And while he was traveling there by ferry, it got wet and the signature on the visa ran. No. So when he arrived in the country, they would not accept it. So he made a specific trip to a country for a few days, and he got turned away at customs because his passport had got wet, the ink on the signature had kind of ran out, and uh, he got denied. Yeah, so that's something else to be very careful about. Keep things safe from uh, from evil thieves, which the media wants us to believe it everywhere, even though we haven't encountered many in three years of full-time travel. Then but, again, we have been ripped off two or three times. Yeah, but, you know, it's not as scary as anywhere else. No, it's not. I, I mean, mean, it's no more than we were robbed in New Zealand. Yeah. Which is a very nice country, and you don't get robbed very often, honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, also keep things safe from weather. So waterproof bags is something that I completely forgot we did while making the show notes. It's true, and also you need to make sure that your passport is in good condition as well. When I saw my dad recently, he was looking at my passport and noticing that it was looking a little bit worse for the wear. I mean, it's still fine. But apparently if, it, if the laminate starts to pull away, they won't accept it. Yeah, you'll get turned away at the border. If it's you, you know, stupid. Undo the laminate and slip in new photos. They they don't like to let you through. <laughs> yeah, but even if it's just a little bit frayed. Yeah, so keep all of that stuff in good order as well as keeping it physically secure. Well, I think that's us on bureaucracy and document security. I mean, I know it's frustrating. I know there's nothing we can do about it. But hopefully uh, some of these ideas will come in handy when you're next battling the authorities. And remember, just try to stay calm. (laughs) (laughs) There's no calm. There's only endless frustration. Oh, we have so many stories about the frustrating bureaucracy. I mean, the other day day I was talking to the bank in New Zealand and I was talking to this wonderful girl and she was so helpful. But at the end of the at the end of the day, there was a twenty five cent charge for transferring money from one account to the other, which would mean that I'd go into overdraft by twenty five cents. And I said, Oh, is there a charge for that? She said, For what? I'm like, For for you know, overdraft you know, going to overdraft. She's like, No. Why? And I said, Well, because in Britain they used to charge up to fifteen pounds for an infringement of that sort. She's like, What? 
And it's true. I mean, they don't anymore. They're not allowed to. There was a big rigmarole about how, you know, that's really unfair and unlawful. And uh, now they're not allowed to charge you more than what your overdraft is. So if you're under by 25 cents, they can charge you 25 cents per day. Well, Linda, everyone knows how much you hate the British banking system. I don't know if that was quite the note to end on. No, no. What I'm saying saying here is that I like the New Zealand banking system. I see. Yeah, that's the point of the story. It was just so wonderful to, to be talking to someone so helpful who spent 20 minutes with me just so I could make a transfer. It's a wonderful <laughs> okay. thing. So there are good people out there. There, are, there is good bureaucracy out there. Please let us know if you find it because we're always interested. <laughs> we're desperately searching. <laughs> well, do check out our affiliate of the week, Lonely Planet. And while you're thinking about guides, come on down to IndieTravelGuides.com and uh, if you sign up for the newsletter there, you'll get 30% off when we do launch Travelling Europe, my first book. Patting Craig book. on the back, very nice. Um, when we launch Travelling Europe, uh, probably in November. So if you come to IndieTravelGuides.com, sign up there, and um, yeah, we'll give you 30% off when it launches. So until next week, travel well.